surrender. That is what I believe you've done this morning. God probably has already spoken to you. So I don't have to say too much. But since I am here. God is good. Do you feel his peace in this place? Yes. I have a message for you this morning to continue in the Be Strong series that God put on Strong Tower Bible's heart concerning where we are. My encouragement to you is to be strong and surrender. That's where we are today. Be strong and surrender. Now, when you think of surrender, I have a couple of definitions that I want to give you. And the first definition is to give up completely or agree to do without, especially in favor of someone else or another person. That's what surrender means. I'm going to read that again. To give up completely or agree to do without, especially in the favor of another. Another one is to give, your, give oneself up to the power of another, especially as a prisoner. Now, when we think of surrender, we don't think of surrender in terms of it is a good thing. We think of surrender as in terms of it is something that is bad. But it's really not a bad thing to surrender. We do it every day. For instance, we surrender when we go to our jobs every day. We surrender. We surrender our will to the will of that boss so that boss can tell us what we need to do so that we can get that paycheck. We surrender our wills to that boss. We surrender our wills. I give you, give you a prime example. When, when Dwayne Wade had already won a championship in 2006. Yes. He had already established himself as the perennial player of the Miami Heat. He had already put his stamp of, this is my team, with the Miami Heat. And when he put himself in that position, a couple of years later, here comes this brother by the name of LeBron James. LeBron James comes into the place and he says to Dwayne Wade, Dwayne, this is your team. This is not my team, this is your team. But what was really cool about Dwayne Wade, what he did was he said, no, I surrender my will for yours, LeBron. This is now your team. It took a lot of strength for Dwayne Wade, who had already won a championship, to say, I no longer am the man. You are now the man. This is now your team. You take with this team and you do with it what you will. Not my will be done, but yours. 
And when Dwayne Wade gave the team to LeBron James, two years later, a couple of years later, they had two championship rings. They had four visits to the NBA Finals, something that that team had never done before, all because of one man said, I surrender my will because I want something from you that I can't do on my own. Somebody talk to me. There also was a man in the Bible who had a following by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had a following. I just tore the tape up. So John the Baptist had a following. This is the life of John the Baptist. Jesus said this about John the Baptist. He said this. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not one arisen any greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the man. But what was it that was so special about John the Baptist that Jesus would make such a statement about this guy? What did he do that made Jesus stand up and say, no one is greater than John the Baptist? Here's what he did. He surrendered. He surrendered. Now, how did he surrender? Here's how he went. First, John the Baptist did this in order to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. John the Baptist had to take his will and place it under someone else's will. He had to move out of the way so that the Messiah could come and do what he was supposed to do on this earth. There were a couple of guys that said to John the Baptist, wait a minute, John. He was in Judea and, and said, and, and, and his disciples said this, yo, 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 John, 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 John. There is someone baptizing in my area, in my space, in your space, there's someone out there doing some stuff that should not be done. And John the Baptist's reply was, hey man, I'm going to give you an a Ebonics view. So John the Baptist said, yo, I told y'all in the beginning, this ain't my thing. This is his thing. My job is simply to prepare the way for who is to come. He had to do one thing. That was to surrender his will for someone greater than him. Now, watch this. You, 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 you got to look at this. Now, what would make a man go into the desert, eat honey, and locusts with no clothes on and lived there for all of his life. For all of his life. He didn't just visit the desert. He didn't just go and hang out there. He actually lived in the bush. He lived there all of his days until the time came when the Messiah was supposed to rise and come and see what he was. He was what, can I ask you a question? Could you go live in the desert 
for months, for years, for someone else. Could you eat someone else's locusts? Can you eat honey out of the bush all the days of your life until the man shows up and says, I am the Christ? He had to surrender something. He had to say, not my will, but your will be done. He had to say, I have to deny myself. I have to eat locusts. I have to eat honey. I have to not wear fine clothes like my boy Justin got on right this night. He didn't have that hat on. He didn't have this hat on in the wilderness. He, didn't have, he, 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 he had to do something else. He had to deny himself. He had to eat of something that probably he didn't want to eat. Now, come on now. Let's be real. Let's be real. Do you think he really, a man in the flesh, do you think he really wanted to eat locust? Do you really think that he wanted to hang out and eat honey? Could you imagine at night him just laying here, what am I doing? You know the enemy put thoughts in his mind. You know the enemy said, you crazy. People already think you're crazy, John. People already don't think that you got all your marbles up the top. You, ain't, you, you may have an elevator, but it, it just goes to the fifth floor. What was it like? You just got to just put yourself there for a second. Could you do that for someone? What was it that made him do that? It had to be supernatural. It could not be of natural man. Look, I don't like being hungry. I don't like being hungry, much less be hungry in the desert where it's cold and scorpions and I ain't got no cover. I ain't got no clothes. Why am I out here doing this stuff? He had to surrender. It had to take a move of God for this man to decide that he was going to live under the stars and eat locust and honey. Has anybody had a locust sandwich before? Wonder what it tastes like, locust sandwich? Anybody had a, I, I, we, 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 I eat honey myself. So I can, I, can, I can deal with the honey, but the locusts, I don't, I don't think I've done that. In my flesh and in your flesh, you couldn't have done it either. So don't act like you can. Yeah, I can eat locusts and honey all days of my life. No, you couldn't. Don't act like you can do it. Couldn't do it. So what was it that drove this man to be able to do this? Number one, this is what happened. John the Baptist, in order for him to fulfill that, John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit of God from birth. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. Now watch this. When you are filled with the Spirit, you do things that you don't believe that you can do. You go places where you don't believe you can go. That's when you're filled with the Spirit. That's when the Spirit of God calls you to do these things. If the Spirit of God calls you to do these things, guess what? God's going to equip you to do the thing that you don't think you could do. John, in, him own, in his own self, he could not do these things in his flesh. So John had to be filled with something outside of himself in order to accomplish the goal that God had for him to accomplish. 
John had to be outside of himself and be filled with someone else in order to do what God had called him to do. He had to surrender to the spirit of God that was in him in order for him to accomplish the work of God that God had for him to do. And it required for him to live out in the desert eating locusts and honey. So God's spirit gave him the power to do that. Did you hear what I just said? God's spirit gave him the power to do that. God's spirit gave him the to do that. He was filled with the in order for him to accomplish the work of God. It was not John that did this work. It was the spirit of God within John that did, did this work because the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 that John from birth was filled with what? Now, what, um, side note. Don't tell me kids can't be filled with the spirit. Don't you sit here and believe that, okay, he don't know any better yet. You know why? Because spirit has no age. Your child comes into this world and that child has a spirit that it can be connected to the spirit of God. If John the Baptist felt and, and had the spirit of God with him in his mother's womb, how much more can your child experience the spirit of God? Nine months. You know, Bernard has a child on the way now. Do you know, Bernard, that your child can experience the spirit, the spirit of God in, her, in his mother's room, him or her mother's womb right now? You and I, <laughs> we... We little older, we can kind of get used to the Spirit of God. We can kind of think that we know a little bit more than we need to know when it comes to the Spirit of God. You always need the Spirit. There's not a time in your life where you will not need the Spirit. The Spirit will always have to lead and guide you into all truth. You will always have to have an, a, a, a connection with God in order for you to hear and function in the Spirit like you need to function. So if John the Baptist needs the Spirit of God, to do his work, what's your excuse? You need the Spirit as well. Not just in you, but the Spirit of God on you. Not just on you, but the Spirit of God to speak through you. Not just to speak through you, but the Spirit of God, of God to lead you and guide you into all truth. In order for you to have the Spirit of God, in order for you to function in the Spirit of God, you got to read the Word of God. Some of you only read the Bible on Sunday mornings. Some of you only read the Bible on Wednesday nights. It's all you're going to get is a little bit of Sunday and a little bit of Wednesday. If you don't put yourself in a position to hear and understand the Spirit. Listen. My own story. I can, listen, I have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in me. The Holy Ghost is on me. The Holy Ghost lives with me. The Holy Spirit lives with me. He speaks to me. The Holy Spirit speaks to me in my dreams. The Holy Spirit speaks to me when I'm in my office. The Holy Spirit speaks to me when I'm at home. The Holy Spirit speaks to me when I'm watching TV. The Holy Spirit speaks to me, he, he speaks to me all the time. Sometimes I don't want to listen. 
if you have the spirit of God, he will tell you things. And he will show you things. So that you can hear what God has to say. So number one, John the Baptist, he had the spirit of God. Not only did he have the spirit of God, but number two, if I can get this back home, John the Baptist also had, John, John followed the mission that God had called him to carry out on the earth. Now listen, this is real important. Watch this. John followed the mission that God called him to carry out on the earth. Now watch this. Matthew, Matthew chapter 3 is the fulfillment of a prophecy about John the Baptist's mission. Now listen. John the Baptist fulfilled the work that God called him to do, but John the Baptist was, his prop, the prophecy of his birth was 712 years before he was born. Before John ever showed up on the earth, God had already determined 712 years earlier that he would come on the earth and fulfill the work, the mission that God had for him. What does that tell you? It says a, it says a whole lot. Ooh, if I could shout, I would right now. It's, listen, you are so secure that God has your days already planned out before you were even born. Before John the Baptist got on this earth, it was no surprise to God that John the Baptist fulfilled his mission because God called him to that mission 712 years before he was even born. And when he called him to that mission, God was just waiting on the appointed time for John the Baptist to come fulfill the prophecy that was already there for him. What does that mean? That means this. If God did it for John the Baptist, guess what that means? God has a specific mission for you to carry out on this earth. And guess what? It may have been a thousand years before you have come to this earth to fulfill a, a particular mission that God has for you to fill on this earth right today. He has something that he's saying right now. You need to be born. <laughs> he has such a... Daryl. Right now, it's your time. And guess what's happening? I can say without a shadow of a doubt, 100% surety, that I am fulfilling the mission that God has called me to do before I was even born. I can say with surety that I am a family pastor because God called me to be a family pastor before I was even born. I can say with 100% confidence that God said, Dale, you're going to be an encourager of people. That's my mission. When you come to my office, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to help you to see the things that God wants you to see. My job, my, my passion is to encourage you to be the best that you can be. That's my mission. My mission is to help you to see who, how God sees you and to, so, so that you can understand with who you are that God loves you 100% and without a doubt that he loves you. You are the apple of his eye. That's my job. My job is to be a family man. I know that because God called me to be a family man before I was even born. When I was a kid, eight years old, 
seven years old, I would be up in the bed at night and I would, God, I would cry. God, I don't know the King James Version. Not this, can you, t- what does this mean, God? Two o'clock in the morning. God, tell me. I would cry at night. Seven, seven years old, eight years old. God, please show me what this means. Help me to understand this Bible. Help me to understand your word. I know you're supposed to be real, but I don't understand this. Can you please, at seven and eight and nine years old, would be in my bed crying at night, crying, God, please visit me. Show me who you are. Help me to understand who you are. Help me to know my mission. Seven, eight, nine years old. And one night God came into my room. I wasn't a Christian, but God came to my room, and I was reading again. You know, I would read about four or five times a week. You just try to read the Bible, try to understand the hithers and the tithers and the these and the thous, and I didn't understand what that meant, and, and God finally showed up one night. This don't happen to everybody. I, know, I understand that. He showed up one night. Three o'clock in the morning, I was about to doze off, go to sleep. Had my Bible on my chest, trying to read, trying to understand it. All of a sudden, the presence of God fell in my room when the presence of God fell in my room it was like electric heat went from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and it went it was such a peaceful cleansing I can't even explain it to you so I can't even try but at the end of that when it came to the top of my head and left to the bottom of my feet the Holy Spirit said to me as loud as I'm talking to you right now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you belong to me. I remember that like it was yesterday. Well, what are you saying, Pastor Darrell? Now, God may not visit you that way, but that's okay. But here's the deal. If you are a believer and you are in the kingdom of God, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, You belong to God, and he has a mission for you to accomplish, just like he had a mission for John the Baptist to accomplish. You have the same God that lives on the inside of you. You have the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave that lives in you, and you have the same responsibility to God, just like John the Baptist had the same responsibility to God to do the mission that God had called him to do. If you're not fulfilling that mission, it ain't God's fault. If you sit here Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday and you don't get to understand, you don't understand that it's not up to the pastor to preach you happy. It's not up to the choir to sing you happy, but it's up to you to get yourself in the word. It's up to you to get yourself in a position to hear from God. It's up to you. To start living your life according to the standards of the word of God. If you don't do it, it won't get done. If I don't fulfill the prophecy that God has given me concerning my family, guess what? It won't get done through me. He may use my son, but it won't get done through me. I have to put myself in a position to say, God, use me, just like you used John the Baptist. I have to put myself in a position to say, it is your job as the spirit of God that lives in me to show me what it is that you have for me to do so that I can fulfill that plan that God has for me in this world. 
And guess what? God will show it to you. He will show it to you. He will show it to you. You don't have to cry all night long. You don't have to fast for 80 days. He will show it to you. Why? Because he wants his kingdom to come on this earth as it is in heaven. He wants his kingdom to come through you, through me. Why? Man, because you are the baddest men and women on this earth. You have the great one on the inside. Listen, I always say this. I say this to myself. I'm a bad man. I am a bad man, not because of what I can do. I'm a bad man because I have the great one living on the inside of me that I can do some good stuff for him if I choose to submit and surrender to him. When I surrender to him, man, some stuff happens through me that I'm, I'm surprised myself. But it's not me. It's him. It's him doing the work through me. He said John the Baptist was one of the greatest on this earth. Why did he say that? Because John the Baptist surrendered his will to the Father. Last one is this. Number three. John focused on Christ and not himself. It was John's focus. He said two times in chapter one and in chapter three, he made it real plain. He said it this way. I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. So when y'all trying to say I'm Elijah the prophet, when y'all trying to say I'm this dude or I'm that dude, I'm going to tell you something. I'm just someone, man, who's screaming in the desert. Repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm just one who is, I'm the guy who is telling you of what's to come. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. That's who I am. I ain't nobody. I'm just a guy who's telling you that God is coming and he is coming to save the world. He's coming to re repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's my job is to tell you to repent. But I am not the one. I can't even carry the man's sandals. I can't even tie his shoes. I, I can't even. T Listen. I'm just. A servant. I'm just here to tell you. I am just surrendered. I'm a surrendered man. I'm a man who says my life means nothing. Oh, wh wh well, well, where'd you get that, Pastor Darrell? Look at John chapter 3, verse 30. He said it himself. He said, I must decrease that he must increase. I am not the one. I'm the one who's telling you about the one. And matter of fact, there he is. The one who takes away the sin of the world. Follow him. Don't follow me because I have no life to give you. I only baptize you in water. But he who is coming after me, he will baptize you in the spirit. That's the one you got to serve. That's the one you need to hang with. That's the one you got to have. I don't need to be, I don't need no accolades. As a matter of fact, he wrote that, chapter 3, right before he went to prison and died. But he knew, <laughs> in order for me to be strong, 
in order for me to eat locusts, in order for me to deny myself, in order for me to do these things, I got to surrender to the Spirit of God. I have to surrender to the Spirit. If I don't surrender, I can't do it. I can't do it. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If Christ gives me the strength, then I can do it. If Christ don't give me the strength, I can't do it. Some of us are walking between two worlds. Spiritual world, I come to church, I'm good. Secular world, logically I have to figure it out in this world in order to get over this world. I got to use my intellect, I got to use my mind, I got to use my wisdom in this world. The Bible says the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. But we got to depend upon that stuff, right? You and I, in order for us to be strong, you have to surrender to the Spirit. You have to get under Him. Some things I don't like in my house. I don't like when my wife does stuff. I don't like when my kids do stuff, and they don't like when I do stuff. I can always tell when I'm off. I'm all in my flesh. I know I'm not the only one up in here. Y'all can look all holy if y'all want to. Let me go behind y'all's closed doors. See how you really are when you ain't in church. Sometimes, look, I walk in, sometimes I walk in the spirit, and sometimes I walk in the flesh. Sometimes I get it right, and sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I want to listen to my wife, and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I don't listen. It's most times I get in trouble when I don't listen. Here's the deal. All of us. Every last one of us, every last one of us in this building, we are a mess and we are blessed. I don't care how good you look on the outside, you got some areas. You got some stuff that the Spirit of God is trying to say, surrender. You got an area where God, just, he just said, surrender. Just give it to me. Quit trying to tell her how you want her to live, and you tell me how you want me to live through you. Quit trying to make it right and you, with her without trying to make it right with me. The Bible says when, you're, when you're, you and your spouse ain't right, the Bible says your prayers are hindered. Your prayers are hindered. How do you and I, and I'm almost done, How do we make it work? It's not that difficult. It ain't hard. Here's the easy part to know the truth. Here's the hard part applying the truth. When your flesh rises up, when you're mad, you don't want to hear not name one truth come out of nobody's mouth. 
But God is saying, surrender. Be strong. Surrender. Because what you say, I'm holding you accountable to it. There were many nights John the Baptist was probably eating locusts and talking about, I, I could use a steak sandwich right now. <laughs> many nights, he out there by himself saying to himself, why am I doing this? This is not good. There were many nights he was alone. Oh, oh, oh and by the way, when you are in a spiritual walk with God, it's, no, it's with no one but you. Your walk with God does not depend upon your spouse, your friend, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. It depends on you listening to the Spirit of God yourself. It's your walk with Him. It's a personal relationship. It is not you and your spouse trying to get things right with God. It's you getting things right with God by yourself. And God will take us to those lonely places to say, now it's me and you. Counseling session, Holy Spirit and you. And the counseling session will be a good one. But it'll be a hard one. It's good, but it's fair. He will take stuff. The Bible calls him the counselor. This is what he does to me. I don't know if he does it to y'all. This is what he does to me. He'll wait till I'm by myself. Ain't nobody around. And then he'll say, now, Daryl. You know. And he, he doesn't even have to tell me what he's saying. You know you were wrong. But they, they did it to me first, God. And what makes me so mad about the Holy Spirit is he said, he'll say nothing else. He'll say, you know you were wrong. And then, and you know that little, that, that little conviction right there just nagging you. Just, just, just like a gnat just right there. Just get on you. And, he, and here's, here's how persistent he, he is. He will not stop nagging you, not because he wants to be a nag, it's because he loves you. Because he knows if you don't get this right, that little leaven will turn into a lump and the enemy will destroy you with it. And so what he says, okay, I want you to get this right. Still small voice, get it right. And when he stops speaking, you in trouble. Or should I say, when you stop hearing him speak, you are in trouble because you can harden your heart towards this. You can, you can grieve the Holy Spirit when he tells you to do right. All he's saying is surrender. Just surrender. Just, just stop. I want to bless you, but I can't bless you in your mess. Just stop. Just give it over to me. Let me. This is what God always tells me. I'll handle it. You do what you're supposed to do. And let me take care of the rest. Isn't it hard for us to do? Come on, be real. Isn't it hard? Especially when people talk about you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm springing a leak in the Holy Ghost. This is coming out the side. But will you be like John the Baptist? Now, God is not, thank God he's not asking us to be that extreme. Go in the desert and eat locusts and honey. Thank, thank you, Jesus, I can be in my house and eat honey and peanut butter. Thank you, God, I can do that. But will you give up what he's asking you to give up? 
so that his kingdom can come on this earth. So with your heads bowed, let me ask you a question. I know the Spirit of God. He knows where you are right now. He knows what you're dealing with. What is it that you're dealing with that God is saying, okay, I'll take that area? You got an area in your life? Raise your hand. What's that one area? What's that one area? I see those hands. What's that area? Here's the deal. That area that he's asking you to give up is a sin issue. And that sin issue separates you from the fellowship of God, not your relationship with him. And that sin issue pulls you away from where God wants you to be when it comes to you fulfilling the mission that God has for you on this earth. But here's the good thing about God. All he says is repent. Repent. Repent doesn't mean change your behavior. Repent means to change your mind about that situation and then allow your mind to change your behavior. And the way you change your mind is you, is you get the word of God on that area where God is telling you to repent. And you proclaim the word of God over that area. And you be obedient to that word until you feel it because you ain't going to feel like repenting. That's all God wants for you to do. Now, for accountability's sake, all of you that raised your hands. Now, now if you didn't raise your hand, don't stand up. All of you that raised your hand, stand up. I got this area in my life. Now, this is not a secret. Now, look, look, look at me. Look up at me. God loves you. God loves us. He's saying to you, don't waddle in the thing that I've already died for, which is sin. Don't stay there. I've already forgiven you of it. Just walk away from it. Repent and turn. I'm here with my hands wide open saying, I care for you. That's why I died for that area in your life. It takes you to be strong, to stand up. Here's the second part. It takes you to be even stronger to surrender. Now it's your turn to surrender that area. He's pointed that area out to you. Now surrender that area to him. Surrender it. Just ask him for forgiveness and move away from it. Because it's for your benefit that you do it. It's for your benefit He's called you to do it so that you can be the healthiest person that he has called you to be to fulfill the mission that he's called you to do to be led of the spirit like he would like John the Baptist so that you can do the thing that he called you to do. Listen to this from eternity past. This is what God wants for you. Now that you've repented, the good part is go do the work. Go do the work. You got, you got a, a song for me in the back? Any, any music in the back for me? Any music in the back? Here's what God wants you to do. 
Don't condemn yourself because the Bible says there's no, now for, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All he wants you to do is forgive. Forgive yourself because he's forgiven you. If you confess your sins to Jesus, he's forgiven you of your sins and he cleanses you of all unrighteousness. So for the next several minutes, just ponder on the work of God, what he's done for you so that you can be all that he's called you to be in these last days. Feed me, feed. 